Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Butterfly Talk. This is the monthly radio show slash podcast that focuses on education about epidermolysis blosa, understanding, support, tips, and general information about EB. My name is Sylvia. I'm your host, and I'm also an EB mom. Um, my son, Nikki is 19 years old and has the recessive dystrophic form of EB. I have no guest per se. I wanted to take the opportunity today to explain EB in layman's terms. I did some research about a year ago for a blog I wrote, and every now and again I am told by various different people in the EB community how informative that blog was and how great it was and how great it explained the condition. So I wanted to make that information more widely available using this show. So basically that blog was called Dumbing Down EB, um, uh, and I called it that uh, because this genetic stuff, it is confusing. I totally get it. A lot of people do not understand it. They assume EB is an autoimmune condition or that EB it means getting rashes. So I wanted to attempt at explaining uh, in my own way, in layman's terms. So I'm a real big fan of those dummies books. So anyway, here goes. Now the big question is, what is EB? So EB stands for, of course, epidermolysis bullosa, which is a mouthful. Most people cannot pronounce it, so most parents and doctors just use the acronym EB. The name is derived from the Latin words epidermis, which is the outer layer of our skin, and lysis, which means loosening or the breakdown, and bullosa, which means blister. Hence, epidermolysis bullosa means the breakdown and blistering of the epidermis. Of the epidermis. This is all fine and dandy, but it's not entirely accurate. There are three major forms of EB, simplex, junctional, and dystrophic, and the only form of EB that blisters in the epidermis is the simplex form. Junctionals, the blisters in the junctional form are in between the epidermis and the dermis, and the blisters with the dystrophic form are in the dermis, which is the layer below the epidermis. Now, in the website, I have you know the whole this image of the structure of the skin, but basically what you have is the epidermis and the dermis below, which is a much thicker level. Now, it's also very important to know that EB is just an umbrella word, a word that throws together all blistering conditions, no matter how they're inherited or how they manifest themselves. Now, back in the late 1800s and early 1900s, when the word epidermolysis bullosa first appeared in medical documents and medical books, the doctors told patients that EB, they had EB if they blistered, no matter, you know, they saw blisters and they said, oh, you have EB, right? And and it's, that was really incorrect. If you think about it now with a more, you know, now we know more. And so it does seems a little bit uninformed. And the reason I say that is because uh, think of it as if doctor punched up together all conditions which feature rashes such as eczema, psoriasis, rosacea, or shingles, or conditions that feature the progressive deterioration, deterioration, 
you can tell my my accent here of nerve cells, right? Which include conditions such as Tay-Sachs disease, Parkinson's, and ALS. Now, because of this, it's extremely important to understand that each form of EB is different in the way it's inherited in the way it manifests itself, in the way blisters appear, in the way the wounds are to be treated, in the way skin heals, in the quality of life, life expectancy, and so on and so forth. EB is not EB in the sense that each form should be called something completely different as to discourage comparison. After all, you cannot compare Tay-Sachs disease and Parkinson's, even though they both feature deterioration of nerve cells, and you cannot compare eczema and shingles, even though they both feature rashes. So that's basically my main explanation for EB. Just understand that it, it just, that means they're all the same. Now, there are three major forms of EB. The first one is the simplex. Now, epidermolysis blows that simplex. It's caused by a defective keratin protein. And the blistering occurs in the epidermis. This is the most common type of EB and tends to be milder than the other types. Now, babies can be born with mild to severe life-threatening blistering. So even though it's mild, it could still be life-threatening in babies. But they almost always improve with age. Blisters heal without scars, do not cause deformities. However, the blisters are more easily obtained. Now, the wounds heal tend to heal better if not bandaged, since they're more superficial. There are many types of, e types of EB simplex, and most are caused by a dominant gene mutation. So far, 12 subtypes have been identified, which can all look different. Now I'm going to repeat that. There are 12 subtypes of EB simplex and can all look and act differently. So that's why even just within one form of EB, there could be wide, wide uh, differences. The second form of EB is called junctional. Now, junctional epidermolysis bullosa, also called JEB, is caused by a defect in the collagen 17 integrin or laminin occurs at the junction between the epidermis and the dermis. That's why it's called the junctional, because it, the blistering occurs at the junction. There are many types of junctional EB as well. So far, six subtypes have been identified. Blisters can heal with scars, but do not cause deformities. Some forms of junctional EB improve as the patient gets older, while a rare form of junctional herlets can be fatal in infancy. And as far as I know, just to go a little further in what I wrote in the blog, Herlitz babies, uh, the problem with them is that the wounds don't heal at all. Um, so once you get a wound that's over, the, it, the, there's no healing. And so that's why there are, it is so bad, and it's so bad especially when you get internal blistering, and they also blister in the track so they cannot breathe. So then that, that's why most of these babies ended up with a track. Um, otherwise, they could die from being a, from a blistering appearing in um, in the air, you know, where you breathe in the track. So anyway, that goes, but that's a junctional Ehrlitz. The third form of EB is called dystrophic. Uh, dystrophic 
epidermolysis bullosa, DEB, is caused by a mutation in the collagen 7 gene, and the blistering occurs in the dermis, which is the lower level of the skin. The condition can be dominant, DDEB, or recessive, RDEB, and so far 12 subtypes have been identified. Both dominant and recessive forms of dystrophic EB cause scarring. The dominant forms rarely cause deformity of the hands or feet caused by diffusion of the finger and toes. Uh, while it's very common, this is very common with RDEB. The recessive form of dystrophic EB is the most severe chronic type of EB. Patients get worse and worse as they age, not because the condition worsens per se, but because the wounded areas get weaker and eventually refuse to heal in areas that receive the most trauma, such as the hands, the elbows, the knees, um, that kind of thing. Blistering begins at birth or shortly afterwards. Much of the skin is covered in blisters and there is extensive internal blistering. For some reason, recessive dystrophic does not blister in the track, or at least I never heard of that, or nor have I ever read that in any textbook I read. But they do blister in the G tube, in the in the in the gastrointestinal tract, and that's why these children end up getting needing um, the throat dilatation to widen the throat so they can eat. Now, the children can develop deformities caused by the recurrent scarring of the fingers and toes, and the hands and arms become fixed in stiff positions. Bandaging is often essential to allow proper healing of wounds, and uh, it's difficult and painful for a child with a recessive dystrophic EB to ingest food due to the internal blistering that occurs in the mouth, esophagus, and gastrointestinal tract. Now, because there are many subtypes of RDEB, some are more milder than others. Um, some patients eat fine, um, and some patients can't really eat at all. I mean, just uh, to give you an example, my son, Nikki, who is 19 right now, he stopped eating solid foods when he was uh, nine months old, and he never picked it up again. Um, while, on the other hand, I know of much, much older patients who are in their 20s who can still eat fine. Um, yeah, they may need um, throat dilatations, et cetera, and other uh, you know, issues like that. Uh, but they can certainly eat somewhat normally. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying they eat normally. They can't eat potato chips, or if they do, they have to be chewed a lot. But anyway, so that's why I often say there nobody's the same, because there are many subtypes. Not only there's many subtypes, but there's many genetic mutations that call, cause the same condition. So everybody really is different. Now, how is it be inherited? Okay, so. Inheritance of EB is gender and ethnic group nonspecific. Um, there was a uh, gentleman, which just to call him gentleman is a huge, huge, uh, um, nicely way of putting it, let's put it that way, who uh, blasted me online about telling me that uh, uh, black people don't get EB, only white people get EB. That's not correct. Um, EB is a um, non-discriminatory condition. Everybody can get it. Uh, and there are three major ways 
a child can be born with EB. Uh, the first way is recessively. Now, recessive forms of EB include all forms of junctional and recessive dystrophic. Both parents have to be carriers, which, meaning, which means they have to have the recessive gene, and they have a 25% chance each pregnancy of passing both of their faulty EB gene to their baby. Now, what is a recessive gene? Okay, a recessive gene is a gene that lays dormant in our system until it has no choice but to wake up. Now, the reason why I say wake up is because dormant is a Latin word. Um, in Italian, for example, as everybody knows I'm Italian, uh, dormire means to sleep, right? So it's a gene that likes to sleep until it has no choice but to wake up. So we all inherit a gene for everything from each parent. So we have both genes for eyes. So we have maybe our dominant is blue eyes and our recessive is, is brown. And so it's a roll of the dice on what uh, we give to our children. It could be our recessive gene or it could be a dominant gene. So uh, we, we all inherit a gene from everything from each parent. And there are, a recessive gene is one that is automatically recessive. So um, in the blog, I talk about, in my case, in my case, for example, I, I inherited a good skin gene from my dad because it's plain as day. I have my dad's skin because my mom is a little darker complected. Well, my dad is very light and I'm definitely daddy's girl. So this means I inherited my recessive EB, say, skin gene from my mom's side. And it was her recessive gene. So that just makes sense, right? Now, when the two skin genes were coupled at my conception, and one had to become dominant, the EB skin gene took a bow. Hey, it likes to sleep, and we want him to sleep, don't we? I was very thrilled it decided to sleep when I was conceived. They automatically sleep. In my son's case, unfortunately, not only he inherited my EB skin gene, by some twist of fate, is that also had a recessive EB skin gene. So when they two got together, one of them had no choice but waking up. So this is why recessive conditions are so rare. This is why recessive dystrophic epidermolysis bullosa is so rare. There's only, uh, I was told by different, I read different books that show the instances. And... Um, they say three in a million, some. Some say one in a million. That's why it's so rare. So not only it's rare to be a carrier, it's even more rare to actually inherit a condition because both parents have to be carriers. And the baby has to be unlike enough to inherit both recessive genes because if he inherits one of the, the dominant good genes, he's going to be a carrier like his parents. Now, the other way that uh, EB is inherited is dominantly. Dominant forms of EB include all forms of simplex and also dominant dystrophic. One parent has the condition and it has a 50-50 chance to pass it on to their child. Dominant genes are not dormant. They don't automatically sleep at all. They're out and about, and this is why they are more common. Uh, and then, of course, there's a spontaneous mutation. EB can be acquired through a spontaneous mutation. What does that mean? 
that is a child is born with a dominant genetic mutation that causes EB. Now, it's important to note that all spontaneous mutations are dominant. They're always dominant and never recessive. So despite neither parents having EB or having EB in their family, um, this occurs, and uh, the genes spontaneously mutated in either the sperm or the egg before conception. Now, there is no scientific evidence that the parent could have prevented such a spontaneous mutation. There are no known environmental, dietary, or behavioral triggers for this type of mutation. So in other words, it's not because the mom had, you know, sweet and low in their coffee that that her egg became, you know, spontaneously mutated. There is no evidence of that. Now, to this I might note, years ago, a Vietnam veteran wrote me and made a point to state that one of his children and a few of his friend's children who were also in Vietnam, where all Vietnam vets were born with simplex EB, so he wanted to find out if there could possibly be a correlation with Agent Orange or anything they might have been exposed while at war. Um, however, um, he went and researched it quite a bit and um, found really nothing. And so we don't know if that was just a thing. Uh, it could have been anything, or it could have been something to it. You know, who knows? Um, at this point, it's all up in the air. I never heard from him again, so I'm assuming he kind of gave up on it. Now, in an effort to be complete in my description, I must note there's also an extremely rare form of dystrophic EB called acquisita. This is not an inherited form of EB. This is an autoimmunity to type 7 collagen, and the onset occurs only in adulthood. So type 7 collagen, as I wrote before, it's a form of dystrophic. So um, that's, that's what it mimics. So this acquisita, when you hear the word acquisita, it mimics dystrophic EB because it's the same type 7 collagen, and it's autoimmune. So um, as far as I know, there is no treatment for that either. There's nothing going on to ease the pain, and it's usually on older adults. So... Um, not necessarily older like senior citizens, but definitely in, appears in adulthood. Now, remember, EB is not contagious in any way, shape, or form, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, and the last point is how rare is EB? Okay, EB is pretty rare. Okay, let me tell you. Um, about 50 in 1 million live births are diagnosed with EB, 50 in 1 million. Of these cases, approximately 92% of these 50 um, have epidermolysis bullosa simplex. That is the most common form of EB. 5% of these have dystrophic epidermolysis bullosa, the dominant form. Uh, well, dominant and recessive now that I'm looking at it. Um, so only 5%. 1% are junctional EB. That's how rare junctional is. It's probably one of the rarest form of EB. And then there's two forms that, 2%, that according to the EB registry are unclassified. So even though they blister, 
they are unsure of what form they mimic most. So that's kind of weird, right? That's what they say. Now, as far as carriers, uh, because, of course, the recessive forms means we have carriers. Carrier frequency ranges from 1 in 333 for junctional EB and 1 in 345 for RDEB. Of course, it's rarer to be... Um, a carrier for RDEB than junctional, even though junctional is rarer than EB, just because the 5% uh, of the people um, that are diagnosed with dystrophic include those with dominant uh, dystrophic, and dominant forms are more common than recessive. Um, now, I hope I made this clear as possible. If not, um, you can ask me questions. You can list some comments here, um, and I'll see if I can find uh, some answers for you. I am not a, um, I'm not a doctor or anything, but I do love to do research on this ONEB just because I feel like I want to be able to do something. I feel so helpless uh, a lot of the times, and that's why I do podcasts, I do graphics, I do all kinds of stuff because I want to be able to make some sort of a difference. Um, and uh, if I can help somebody figuring something out, I'll be happy to do it. Now, while I have extensively researched all forms of EB, I can only truly consider myself an expert on my son, especially my son's form of EB. Uh, his subtype is, um, well, it was called Halopiu Siemens, but now it's called Generalized Severe. And uh, it's a very rare uh, genetic mutation that my son has. Um, and so even when um, I, we did the genetic testing, there was only his particular mutation was not even um, listed in the mutations known for recessive dystrophic. Um, but it was only from a paper that was done by Dr. Uh, now I can't remember his name, by a doctor in Italy. Um, that one other patient in Italy was diagnosed with this particular genetic mutation that caused RDEB. So that's why, I'm, you know, I, I'm an expert on my son. Um, RDEB is not the same on all patients. It changes. And as I told you, as I said before, EB just blister, means you blister. Everybody is really different. And I hope this helps somebody understand EB a little bit more. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to Butterfly Talk today. I also wanted to remind everyone that the show is also available as a podcast on iTunes. So it's called Butterfly Talk on iTunes, so you should be able to find it. If not, you can put my name on it, Sylvia, S-I-L-V-I-A, Corradin, C-O-R-R-A-D-I-N. And when you find it on iTunes, make sure to subscribe to it and new shows will download automatically. They appear on iTunes about 24 uh, to 72 hours after it's uh, aired on Blog Talk Radio. Now, if you'd like to be a guest, if you'd like to talk about something related to EB, or if you have any idea for future shows to share, please send me a message either on the Facebook page for the show, which is facebook.com slash talk, or the Blog Talk Radio page for this show. Or my email address, which is ebmama, E-B-M-O-M-M-A, at gmail.com. Until next month, ciao.